Good evening, hope all of you are well. We're learning Maseches Yevamos, Daf Chavtes. We're starting at a Mishnah, about 10 lines from the bottom of Kavches and Midbeis. Let's jump right in. Shlosha Achim, there are three brothers. So far, so good. Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. Shnai Mehem Nesu and Two of the brothers, Reuven and Shimon, are married to sisters. The sisters are Rachel and Shoshana. Let's do the alliterative match. Rachel is married to Reuven. Shoshana is married to Shimon. Now, either these brothers are married to uh, two sisters, O Isha Ubita, or one is married to a mother while the other is married to, to her daughter, O Isha Ubasbita, O Isha Ubasbina. Whatever the dynamic is, it's Reuven and Shimon married to a pair of women who have a relationship to one another. Hare Elu, in these cases, now the Mishnah is actually, the Gemara is actually missing some words here. What it should say is then, Umesu that the husbands died, but the halacha would then be that these women get chalitza, but they do not get yibum. For Reb Shimon Poter, Reb Shimon says they don't even need chalitza, they're fine, they're in the clear, they uh, can walk away, no problem at all, we'll, we'll discuss this in the Gemara. Now in regards to this case, if Levi, the third brother, who now has these two yivamos, who are uh, pining for marriage. If one of them is an Isser Erva, so obviously Aser Ba, he cannot marry that one. However, Umotr Be'achosa, he would be allowed to marry the sister of. And what if one of these women uh, in one of these cases was Isser Mitzvah or Isser Kedusha? So there too, the Allah is Cholzos Misyabmos. If you have the Oz Vahadar, you'll see a little note here at the very end of the Mishnah, which indicates a discussion about whether or not Rib Shimon adds in Potter here as well, like he did earlier in the Mishnah. Let's jump in. Why is it that in the first case where, um, where these women fell as Yovamos to Levi, why does Rib Shimon say they don't even need Chalitza? The, the Gemara opens with a Brisa, five lines from the bottom, Kavches and the base. Tanya Rib Shimon Potter Bishtein Mina Chalitza Mina Yibum. They're exempt from both. They're not allowed to have Yibum and they don't need Chalitza. Why? That when it comes to a woman and her sister, that we can't have them both become tsaros at the same time. tsaros at the moment when they both became tsaros zulazu toward one another. Lo Then you cannot have any acquisitions. Namely, you cannot get married to either of them. That's how Reb Shimon reads the pasuk. Then our Mishnah had said that if in this case one of the women was an erva to um, one of the women was an erva to Levi, then we said that in that case, he, he Levi cannot marry the Erva, but he can marry the other woman. And the Gemara says, Hasu Lamali, why do I need this case? Hainu Hach, it's the same as the case that we learned yesterday in the Mishnah, where in a case where the, one of the women, one of the two Yavamos is an Erva, so then the Yavam is not allowed to marry the Erva, but he can marry the other woman. So says the Gemara, why are we repeating this case? Lirib Shimon Yitzrich. We need it in order to understand the, shim, the Shita of Rib Shimon clearly. I might have thought, since, as we learned in the beginning of the Mishnah, that Rib Shimon is of the opinion that when these two sisters are Yavamos, that they don't need Chalitza or Yibum, because as we learned, they are uh, exempt from the Pasuk. So then maybe leagues, or we should have a Gzeira in this case of the Mishnah, where one of the women is an Erva to Levi, Mishum Beza Chayos to Alma, we should, uh, because of the case of Beza Chayos to Alma, we're concerned that in a regular case that we might make an error, Kamash Malan, that we don't have any of those concerns, that even in that case, we would say that Chalitza would be sufficient. Says the Gemara, uh, Isser mitzvah. What if one of the women had an Isser mitzvah? Top of Chav Testament Aleph. 
Why do we need this to be the case? That should not be true. By the case of Isra Mitzvah, we said that there is Chalitza. Why doesn't Rib Shimon argue over here? He said that in a case where two women are Yavamos and their sisters, that they should not even need Chalitza. Yet in this case of Isra Mitzvah, the Mishnah says that one of them is allowed to be married. Uh, nope, that one of them has Chalitza and the other... It's chalitza or yibum. It's chalitza, uh, chalitza below you, below, below misyabnos. Let's just be clear. In the case of Isra Mitzvah, the last case of the Mishnah, the Mishnah there is chalitza and no yibum. So the Gemara at the top of Chav Testament Aleph says, why isn't Reb Shimon kicking up sand? He should say that there should be no chalitza even in this case. So the Gemara says that the reason why in our Mishnah, the case of Isra Mitzvah requires chalitza is gzeira mishum Isra Mitzvah de alma. Because we're talking about a concern about a woman who only has the status of Isra Mitzvah, even when her sister isn't the other Yavama, she's by herself. So we're concerned that in that case, you might have thought, you might have made an error and assumed, Rav Shimon might have thought, been concerned that there should have been no Chalisa in that case. Therefore, we have a Gzeira when it comes to Isra Mitzvah that we have this extra level of care, uh, which is to do Chalisa. Says the Gemara, Hatenach Ihi, I could understand the woman who has status as an Isra Mitzvah herself. I understand that your Gzeira might apply to her because according to Rav Shimon, an Isra Mitzvah, in general, should uh, should need chalitza, but over here uh, he would say pater, but he has exera on that woman. So I understand in regards to that woman. But achosa, why would we say that by her sister, the sister doesn't have a blemish of any kind? Achosa ma'ikalamemar. Why would he require that she have? Uh, that she have chalitza in this case of our Mishnah, he should say that she's petura. Says the Gemara, Gezeira achosa mishum lasadida. The reason why the, the sister has a gzeira to do chalitza is, is mishum lasadida. If you take a look at Rashi, Rashi has a very strange language here. Lasa, Rashi says mishum lasadida, mishum mazel dida, because of her mazel. Uh, it's not such a simple language, but the way that some of the Meforshim understand is we're afraid that they're going to misunderstand which sister needs to do chalitza and not. So therefore, whenever we require one to do Chalitza, we require the other. Whenever one is exempt, we will exempt the other. Asks the Gemara, if Reb Shimon has this concern here, Agzeira, as to why we need Chalitza here, and why don't we have the same exact Gzeira, the same concern by cases of Erva? Why do we only have this concern in the case of Isra Mitzvah and Isra Kedusha? Says the Gemara, Erva is different than Isra Mitzvah. Shiny Erva, Demigmar Gmiri, everyone is learned in these areas. Demigmar Gmiri La Inche, people are very learned about Erva. The Kala Islay people talk about it. You know when one of the women you're about to marry, about to do Yibum to, is an Erva, especially if it's your mother-in-law. You certainly should know that. That should be clear information for you. So when it comes to Erva, everybody knows what's going on. Therefore, we don't need any Xeras. That brings us to a new Mishnah, Chavtesim Aleph, five lines down, six lines down. The next case sounds very similar. And if you just flip the page for a moment and skim Daf Lamed Aleph, you'll see that all of the Mishnahis are short, but all of them start with shlosha, one after the next. So even though the parak is our ba'achin, uh, we're going to see a lot of cases of shlosha achin, and then we'll learn a lot of those cases tomorrow. But here, let's learn one more mishnah. And this mishnah will start now. We'll finish at the very last word on chavtesim and beis, and then we'll stop for the day today. So the new mishnah on chavtesim and aleph writes as follows: shlosha achin. There are three brothers, Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. Shneim nesuin steachayos. Reuven is married to Rachel. Shimon is married to Shoshana, and Rachel and Shoshana are sisters. We've seen the word mufne before in the space of Gzeir Shaba. What does it mean? It means that the third brother is available. The Rishonim point out that it doesn't really matter that he's single. He, in theory, could have had a wife because Yibum applies even if you have a wife, provided that 
you're the one on the receiving end, and there's no reason why that would make a difference. But in here, the Mishnah does detail that he's Mufnim. Let's say Ruvain dies, and then Rachel falls in Yibum to, to Levi, to the third brother. However, something here happened unique. The Asaba Mufne Maimer. And Levi does Maimer, he does this quasi-Kiddushin to Rachel, indicating to her that, they would, that he really would like to marry her. And then, then Shimon dies and Shoshana now falls to Levi Be'yibum. But let's look, look at the dynamic at this moment. Levi has already performed Maimer for Rachel, and now he has a new Yavama, a new incoming Yavama in Shoshana. So now he has one Maimer, Maimer Yavama and one regular Yavama. So what is the status? How does he navigate? That's a machlokas tanaim. And the, the Mishnah says a third of the way down, omrim ishto imo, his wife is with him, meaning that the maimer that Levi performed for Rachel seems to have some teeth to it. The halazu and the other wife, teitze mishum isha, and Shoshana, who is the second Yavama, the second Yavama who is now going to be pending marriage or chalitza, she gets neither. She's teitze mishum isha because because when Levi did Maimer to Rachel, they're basically halachically married to some degree, which is going to be much of our discussion today, is what is Beis Shammai Shita. So therefore, Shoshana, when she's the second Yavama inbound, so the halacha is that she doesn't have to do anything. She's Teitze, Mishum Achos Isha, no chalitza, nothing. Beis Hillel argues, Beis Hillel Omrim, Motzi es Ishto, Beget u Bechalitza. I disagree with Beis Shammai. When Levi did Maimer to Rachel, it would have been all well and good if Shimon didn't then die and have Shoshana fall to fall to him be Yubim as well. And now, according to Beis Hillel, when Shimon, when Levi does Maimer to Rachel, now he has to undo that. Motzias Ishto beget. Now he has to divorce Rachel to undo the Maimer. And as well, Ubechalitza, because the Maimer doesn't uproot the Chalitza needs, he still has to do something there. And then when Shoshana falls to him as well, she will get Chalitza. So a big machlokas in the Tanaim here as to what we should do in this case when Levi did Maimer to Rachel, when Levi did Maimer to Rachel, and only after that happened did Shimon's wife. Did Shimon die, and, sh- and his wife Shoshana falls to Levi as well, Be'ibum. And the Mishnah concludes, Zohi Sha'amru, this is similar to the phrase where we say, Oilo al Ishto, the Oilo al Eshes Achib, a reflection of the sheet of Beis Hillel, that it's bad news for Rachel, Ishto, the one he did Maimer to because he's forced to Ooh. divorce her, and do Chalitza, and Oilo al Eshes Achib, that even Shoshana, none of, none of them get a good deal out of this, and both wives are, are lost in Yibu. They're lost in they're lost to the midst of Yibum. Yes, they're lost th- through Chalitza. It's not really, uh, yeah, correct. They're bo- they, they both have Chalitza. I was speaking globally, but you're correct. It's Chalitza. So the Gemara opens, picking up on this last phrase of the Mishnah. Whenever we see the language of Zohi, this very specific thing is. So then the Gemara often makes a diuk on that, as it does here. The Gemara opens two thirds of the way down on Chavtesamad Alev. Zohi the Mai. What is our Mishnah trying to exclude by using this language? Says the Gemara, There's a case in another 90 blot from now where Rabbi Yeshua was talking about a case where one of the wives is a katana. We're not going to go into the details now, but the language of Zohi in this Mishnah indicates that only our Mishnah has the halacha this way. But the case of Rabbi Yeshua is not like our Mishnah where we say, We'll learn about this case in more detail. So we're not going to spend time on it now. But what is for today's conversation is the following very important sugya in regards to the world of uh, Yibum. And that is, how powerful is Maimer? 
And that's what we're going to be discussing for the next plot, for the next Amud. Says the Gemara, Amar Rebbe Lazar, Rebbe Lazar the Amora says, Lo tema, do not say that Maimar lebeis Shammai is Kona Kinyan Gamor. Don't say that even though in our Mishnah, it seems like the Maimar had some teeth to it in our Mishnah, because what ended up happening, we ended up saying that the Maimar was strong enough to cause for the second Yavama who was uh, heading toward Levi to not even need Chalitza. But still, says Rabbi Lazar, don't say that Beishamai holds a Maimer is a Kenyan Gamor to the point that it's not full marriage such that in order to break that marriage, you would then need only a get. That's not true. Ella, rather, what does Rabbi Lazar say that Beishamai holds about Maimer? So the Gemara says four lines from the bottom, Ella, Maimer the Beishamai, the power of Maimer, according to Beishamai, is that, again, first Rachel falls to Yibum, and then Rachel's sister Shoshana falls to Yibum. When Rachel, when Rachel falls to Yibum, she gets Maimer. How powerful is that Maimer? So says Beishamai, Rebbe Lazar, in the name of Beishamai, the Maimer is powerful enough to generate a bond between Levi and the first Yavama of Rachel, such that when Shoshana shows up, she doesn't need even Chalitza. But that's it. The extent of Maimer is only to preclude Tzara, the second wife, from having any halachic need of Chalitza or Yibum. So the Gemara questions this. We have a brisa that seems to be very similar to this. Now, this brisa was from the very opening of this parak of our Ba'achin. The case we're dealing with is a case of Shlosh Achin, but this is a quote from our Mishnah at the beginning of the parak of our Ba'achin a few blot ago. This can be found on Chavavim and Aleph. And there we had said, that if there are two sisters, that uh, they should get chalitza and not yibum. And then the Gemara says there, on the second line of that Mishnah, on Chavav Amaralev, it says, that maybe they should be yotziu, and Beishamai was lenient. So that's the quote over here. At the beginning of our parak of our Ba'achin, when we learned about the case of four brothers, and two wives fell to two brothers, we said chalitza and not yibum. And what if you married them? So says the Gemara, quoting on the last line here, on Chavtes Amaralev, Beishamai omrim yikaimu. What can be understood by Beis Shimon's opinion that if this couple marries, even when they shouldn't, in the case of our Ba'achin, that they can stay married, says the Gemara Yikaimu in, yes, they can stay married if they if they got married, but but it's really not appropriate, they shouldn't have gotten married. Now, says the Gemara in regards to this Brisa, the reason I know I'm right that Mimer isn't a permanent bond is because had it been that Kenyan, that Mimer was a Kenyan Gamor, then what the Mishnah on Chav Vav should have said at the beginning of the parak should have said, that if the women fall one at a time to Yibum, then there's no reason why they would ever need Chalitza. If it's true that Maimer is powerful enough to generate a permanent bond, then the Mishnah and Daf Chavav should have looked very different. The Mishnah and Chavav should have said that if there's one wife who falls to brother three, do Maimer right away. And when wife number two falls to brother four, do Maimer right away. Yet our Mishnah does not say that. So what does that show you? So that's what the Mishnah is implying. That's what the Gemara is implying on the top of Chav Tesem Beis, that by virtue of the fact that our Mishnah and Daf Chavav does not use the language of Zeyas and Maimer Vayikna to be Kone, the two Yivamos, one after the other, that shows us that Maimer isn't as powerful. Says the Gemara Elamai, what, what then do you think that the Brisa means? Do you think it means that Docha Dechia Gamura, that you're allowed to then just push off a tzara? How can you say that? If that's true, if it's true that Maimer is powerful enough to not need anything other than Maimer, that's it. 
So then what should the Mishnah on Chavav have said? It should have said, Then one could have done Maimer to the first wife, thereby removing an option for the second wife, and vice versa. And it doesn't say that either. Ella says the Gemara, What is the only possible way to understand this Brisa and Rebbe Lazar? It must be that Maimer de Hetera Dachi de Isura Lo Dachi. The only way to understand the Mishnah and Daf at the open of our parak of our Ba'achin, is to say that there's two kinds of mimer. There's mimer that's done in a situation where technically you could actually do yibu. Let's say in a classical case of yibu, a woman, uh, her husband dies and they have no kids, they fall to the brother, simple case of yibu. And he says mimer. That mimer is called mimer dehetera. And mimer dehetera is very, very powerful. And mimer isura is lodachi. So these are the two, the, the distinction to be made. And Hachanami, in our case, this is as well true. Maimer in our Mishnah, if even if you want to say that Maimer is very powerful, Maimer Dehetera Kani, it's only Maimer Dehetera, Maimer where even Yibum could have taken place. But the Isura, had the Maimer been performed in a scenario with a second Yivama where they could not really marry, then Lokani, then there's no real value there. It doesn't help at all. So basically, version number one is that this, this Mishnah that we have, this Brisa that we have, which we thought was a match to Rebbe Lazar, is not a match at all. That's all version one of Rebbe Lazar. But Rav Ashi Masni Hachi, Rav Ashi says there's another version of how to understand the sheets of Rebbe Lazar. And what's that? Let's remember that Rebbe Lazar said on the bottom of Chavtes Aleph in version one, he had said that Mimer is not fully powerful, only powerful enough to not require the tzara to have chalitza. Let's try version number two, 10 lines down. Says the Gemara, a little bit less, maybe nine lines down. Don't say that when Beishamai employs Maimer, that he means that it's that the tzara, that the second wife won't need even chalitza. She's clean, she can just go with, without any, any limitations. That the tzara would not need it. That's not correct. Yes, she's docha from the fact that you can't do yibum. However, she still needs chalitza. So says the Gemara in this version too, like it said before, Ravavin, how does this work out if we were to line it up against the Brisa that Ravavin quoted before? That Brisa that we saw, the Mishnah that we saw in Chavav, where Beishamai says that when the Yavamos fall to the brothers, that they should do Chalitza, not Yibum. And we said that if in fact they marry, Beishamai says Yikaimu, they can stay married. But that's only true Lechatchila, but it's not, that's only true. Uh, that's only true. So says the Gemara as follows. If in fact it was true that that really it should have been that the Sarah should not have even needed Chalitza, then what should the Mishan Chavav had said? It should have said the power of, of Maimer. It should have said instead of doing Chalitza, forget Chalitza. It should have said that brother, surviving brother number one, is now going to marry Rachel, but he's going to do Maimer. And if he does Maimer to Rachel, then by definition, Shoshana will, will not need any Chalitza because that's what we would have said if, if Maimer was so powerful. And vice versa, but it did not say that. So we see that that cannot be the case. If that's true, but our Mishnah, our new Mishnah that we learned today on the previous Amud says that according to Beishamai, the Tzara does not need anything. So, so this Brisa for sure doesn't support 
uh, because this brisa indicates that, that there should be chalitza. Not that there shouldn't be, but our Mishnah says that there is no chalitza. So if that's true, that there's no chalitza by the tzara, then how do we understand this? Ella, yavama dechaz kulhu. When it comes to a yavama who is fit to be married, then chaz yelamiktsasa. Yavama delo chaz kulhu, lo chaz What is the Gemara saying here? That if there is a yavama who really can be married, and they do maimer, that, that, then that uh, chalitza... Uh, then that mimer that's done to her can, in fact, cancel out the need for the tzara to have chalitza. However, if the yavama is the lochaz yelakuhu, she's really not fit to be married. So then when we do mimer for her, it does not remove the need for the tzara to have chalitza. End of sugya number one for the, for the day. Well, end of part one for the sugya today. And the second is the following question. <clears throat> It should be Rava because I guess it could be uh, could be Rava, but uh, in the flow of the Gemara makes more sense that it's Rava because we know Rava was a third century Amor. He was a Rebbe to uh, to some of the fourth century Amoraim. But this dialogue between Rava and Abaye it seems to make more sense that it should be Rava. This is a discussion on the side here. If you look in Os Katan Aleph, it says in the Hagos Vitzionim Defusim Yeshanim Rava. Um, uh, whatever. This is a this is a discussion about what, who it is. But let's just assume for the moment that it's Rava. Boy Rava, Maimer the Beishamai. When Maimer thinks about Beishamai, do we say Nisuin Osa? Do we say that Maimer is powerful enough that it's as if they're fully married? O Erisin Osa, or is it only simply a betrothal? So says the Gemara. Amar so Why are you asking? can't be for what we just spoke about, because what we just spoke about was whether or not Maimer was powerful enough to remove the need for Chalitza from Atzara. So that's not what it's talking about. So it says the Gemara, Lamai Hilchasa, Abayi says to Rava, what, what topic are you discussing? If you're talking about whether or not she'd get any Yerusha from her husband when he dies, whether or not they're married enough just through Maimer that he should he as a Kohen should become Tame for her if she dies, and to be Mayfair her Neder, we know that the Torah writes that when a woman is married that her husband can, can annul her vows. So are, is Maimer enough to go over the threshold of Yerusha, of Tuma, of Hafaras Nidarim? So would that be the case? Well, says the Gemara, Hashda Arusa Be'alma. If a regular Arusa, if a, forget Yibum, if a regular Arusa got engaged, that wouldn't be the case because Tani Ribchia, Ishto Arusa, Lo Onain, there's no Aninus if, if she dies. And Vilomatamela, he's not allowed to become Tame for her if he's a Kohen. The Khain he, the same halachos are reversed as well. Lo onenes, if her husband dies, she's not an onenes. She keeps mitzvos like regular. Vilomatamos lo, she can't become Tame for him. Mesa in a Yorsha, if she dies, then there's no Yerusha for her. And Mesa, if he dies, who gova, uh, Mesa, who, if he dies, then gova ksubasa, she does collect the ksuba. But ovad, but maimer mi baya, if when it comes to a regular case of engagement in Arusa, you're trying to compare Mimer to Arusa. Arusa itself doesn't have any of these restrictions. They're not fully married. And most of the rights that come about through Arusin are not strong enough to generate that bond. So that can't be what you're talking about. So it says the Gemara, what then was Rava's question? What was Rava asking about? Why was he trying to compare Mimer either to Arusin or Nesuin, to the early betrothal stage, stage of marriage or to the complete stage of marriage? So says the Gemara, a little bit more than halfway down, Ve'ela, really what Rava was asking about was Le'inyan Mesira L'chuppah. What does it mean that the giving over of the chuppah? What does this mean? So when a woman gets married, it has to be Vedaita. 
A woman cannot be forced to be married. She has to agree to be Mesira. She has to be agreed to be handed over from her father's house into the home of her husband. This is, has to be something that it's not, we don't force marriage. It's not allowed. So says the Gemara, Mai, what would the halacha be? Do we say that Maimer is like Nisuin, Nisuin Ose, Belomi Boy Mesira Lachupa? Maimer is like Nisuin. Maimer is like already a done deal. The marriage is already done, and therefore, we don't need Mesira Lachupa. We don't need her to agree. We know that the halacha is that by Yibum, that a woman does not have to agree. It can be forced upon her. The nature of marrying someone for a woman is that when a woman marries a man, quote unquote, built into the fine print is that if her husband dies and she has no kids, she has to marry her brother. It's built into the fine print. It's Psukim and Chumash. It's not a secret. So then the Gemara says that maybe we should say that if there's Mimer, that we don't have to worry about Mesir Lechupa. We don't need her permission anymore because Mimer's like Nisuin. So that's what the Gemara is saying is that this, this little Dirabonan Kenyan of let's get let's get married through Mimer, how powerful is it? Do we say that it's like uh, that it's like Nisuin and there's no need for her for her permission? Odilma, or perhaps Arisin Ose Ubaya Mesir Maybe it only makes her like she's betrothed, and when a woman is only Be'erisin, she does need to give Rishus from Mesir Lachopa. So which one is it? Ubaya Mesir Lachopa says the Gemara Omar Lei Hashta. Lo avad when there's no maimer at all. So what's the din? See, the Pasuk writes in Chumash Yavama, Yavala, and even Midrash is Balkorcha. When a woman is a Yavama, we, we don't have to ask her permission. Again, that's the fine print of getting married, is that a Yavama has to marry her, her, new, her, her brother that she was never married to before. That's the din. So then avad b'maimer mibaya. So then yeah, that's ridiculous. If, if, if without that, if, when, when, when they get married, there, we, she's allowed to be forced. Mimer doesn't solve that problem. So the Gemara says, Amar le, Rava says back to Abaye, no. Here's my question about Mimer. She'ani Omer, Rava says, and this is a very important line in Lamdas for, for Maseches Shevamos. Kol ha'ose Mimer bi'avimto. Anyone who goes through this rabbinic marriage, this Kedusha Yevama, parcha mimenu zikas Yevamin, this marriage of Mimer makes the zikas Yevamin dissolve, and in its place, v'chala ala zikas erusin. Okay, this is this is this is, a, this is a, a change in thinking here. Now, what Rava is saying is that let's say that I'm doing yibum. If if I'm doing yibum and I I'm, I'm doing mimer, so I I go to this process of mimer. I have my edim harad mekudeshes, whatever the mimer process is. So then she changes now. Now it's not zikas yibum between me and her. That's gone. Parcha. It flew away. It's gone. Now we have a zikas erosin between us. Ah, so that's what the Gemara is asking. Rav is saying, because I hold that the mechanics of Mimer change her zika from zikas yevamin to zikas, uh, to zikas erosin, <coughs> how then does that play out in our conversation? So the Gemara responds with a brysa. My, what would the din be? First long line. Two-thirds of the way down, heading to the last word on the page, Chavtes Amaral. I said 25 minutes. I was wrong. It's going to be 31 minutes. I was close. It says the Gemara as follows. Toshma, Shomeris Yavam. If, I know. Shomeris Yavam. If there is a woman who is waiting for Yibum, her husband died, she has not yet married. Bein Yavam Echad Bein Shnei Whether or not there's one or two brothers who are who she who might be her Yavam. So that's a machlokes in regards to, as a Shomeris Yavam, as to whether or not the Yavam can be Mefer Neder. Can they annul, can they nullify her vows? Namely, how married are they? Because you have to be married to nullify vows. Says Gemara, big machlokes tonight. Second of the wide lines. 
one of them can. One of them can nullify. Only one person can nullify, but not both. Only one Yavim can nullify, not both. Oh, no, no, none of them can do Hafaras uh, Nadar. What's going on here? But when we analyze this, Bryce, here's what we'll figure out. Rebbe Akiva is just flat line. There's no Zika. And because there's no Zika, there's no reason to assume that, that Yavam 1 or Yavam 2 could do any Hafaras Neder. They cannot nullify any of her vows. She has no Zika to them at all. Done. Over. Rebbe Yeshua has a certain logic. Okay, how many people can you have Zika to? You can only marry one. So you have Zika to one, the older one, whichever one. But you don't have Zika to two. So what did Rabbi Yeshua say in the Brisa? He had said, that only one person could be made for, made for the nether. So Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer is found on the second of the wide lines on Chavtes and Beis. What did he say? He said, Yafer. Right, that is a singular word, which we have to get back to in a moment. Let's give, let's give to the fact, let, let's give a nod that he holds that there is Zika. Bishlama lechad mefer. I can understand how at least one person amai. Now these words are not simple because they don't seem to mean what they say. They seem to imply amai. Why would there be two? But Rashi here changes that understanding. <coughs> Rashi on the fourth line of the wide lines of Rashi amai. Rashi says nihi nami zika afilu. It should be that both of them should be able to do Zika. So really the Gemara is saying, according to Rabbi Eliezer, he seems to agree that both would be able to do Zika. And what did Rav Ami say the case was here? And what was this Brisa talking about? Oh, you're adding in a new ingredient into the, into the mixing bowl now. When you say that this Brisa has Mimer, and we're trying to answer how powerful is Mimer as it relates to a case of Erison or a Zika, a Zika of Mimer, what did Rav just say? That when there is Mimer between a Yavam and a Yavama, then it changes from Zikas Yevamin to Zikas Erosin. So how powerful is Zikas Erosin? So says the Gemara, And we're asking Beishamai's question within the framework of Beishamai Shita. We're asking, uh, we're asking Rava's question within the framework of Beishamai Shita that uh, a Mimer is Kona Kinyan Gamor. So let's ask the question now very clearly. The brisa we're trying to work with is the brisa that starts on the first of the long lines of Chav Testament base. What we don't understand right now is how we paskin from this brisa. This brisa is talking about a case of Mimer, where we hold that Mimer is Kona Kinyan Gamor. So it says the Gemara as follows, 10 lines from the bottom. E Amris Bishlama Nisuin Ose. If you want to say that Mimer is like Nisuin, then I fully understand this Mishnah Mishum Hachi. Mayfair, they're fully married. If, if Mimer is like a full Nisuin, then of course then he can be, be Mayfair Neder. If you want to say that really Mimer only generates Erisin, only a betrothal state, so then, how then can there be Hafara according to Rabbi Akiva, after, to Rabbi, Rabbi Eliezer? After all, if there's a woman who's only engaged, what's the status? The husband can't do Hafara on his own. Only with both of them, which shows us that Maimer is like Nisuin, that the only time Hafara can take place, the only way this Brisa makes sense is if Maimer is, uh, is only if Maimer is equivalent to Nisuin. 
Says the Gemara, not necessarily. Amar of Nachman bar Yitzhak, my Mayfair. What then does our Bryson mean by Mayfair? Maybe it doesn't mean to imply anything about uh, Maimer being equal to Nadar, to uh, to Nisuin, but rather Mayfair Bashutfis. There's a unique din that when there's a, an Arus and when there's his father-in-law that they can do Hafara. It's not a it's not a din about a, a din of leaving any implications about Maimer meaning like Nisuin at all. Maybe it's still like uh, maybe it's still like uh, the Arusin. Says the Gemara, continuing its analysis, This is the sheet that we saw in the bottom of Chav Testament Aleph. According to Rabbi Eliezer, who holds that Maimer, according to Beishamai, is only Kona in as much as it pushes away the second wife who does not need Chalitza. Why then would it be that he's allowed to be Mefer B'Shutfis? Amar Lach Rebbe Lazar, don't ask a question against me. Amar de Amre Ana Eino Kona El Alitchos Tzara Bilvad. I taught my halacha in a vacuum. I was only talking about the tzara. The lo sagi la begita. A get is not enough for her. I wasn't even talking about hafara. Don't ask a question on me. I was only talking about one narrow scope question with Beishamai. And that one question was whether or not Maimer would generate enough of a connection to remove chalitza from the tzara. But I wasn't talking about hafara at all. Or a second possible answer, four lines from the bottom. It wouldn't work for Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak Shita either, either for his answer of Shutfis. After all, Shutfis implies two people. What did Rabbi Eliezer say in this brisa? Miktani Yefaru, plural. Yeah, no, it's just Yafer Katani, just one person. <coughs> Ella, what is this brisa about Hafara talking about with the three sheets of Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Yoshua, and Rabbi Akiva? What does it mean, Sha'am Dabedin? So the Gemara says the brisa is talking about a case where a Yavama fell to a Yavam, but he refused to do Yibum or Chalitza. So Amdabedin, she brought him to Bezdin. And Bezdin Paskin, that until further notice, he is obligated to, to support her with food. And then on top of that, once that happens, then they're bound enough that Hafara works. That whenever a woman makes a neder, whenever a woman is bound in uh, in this yibum status, then once the husband is being posek mizonoseha, then he can be made for neder. We cannot learn anything from the brisa about whether or not mimers like nisuin or erusin. We will stop right here tomorrow morning, right after the six thirty shachars. We'll start at seven ten punctually. And uh, if you're here, here, you're not, you're not, I'll post everything and I'll, we'll stop right here. Wishing you all a beautiful night.